Welcome to Marvel Vision, a podcast about Marvel, the MCU, and right now, Thor, Love and Thunder. Uh, Alex, I love love and I thunder. I'm Justin. (laughs) I'm Pete. And as you probably figured out, no clarification necessary. We're going to be talking about the latest Thor movie on this episode. Most of you have probably seen it, whether in theaters or on Disney+. But just spoiler warning up front here, we're definitely going to get into all the big things about this movie, our thoughts, our feelings, as well as much of Easter eggs and Marvel Comics source material, among other things. But just to set it up very quickly, it was directed by Taika Waititi, who also directed Thor Ragnarok. It was written by Taika Waititi and Jennifer Caton Robinson, who people may know she was behind Sweet Vicious, Something Great, Do Revenge, recently on Netflix, among other things. And uh, as we'll probably get into in the Easter eggs portion, there is this is a whole family affair. Everybody was hanging out. All their kids are in it. Their whole family is in it. That's great. It's very nice. Now, are we worried about spoilers since it just came out this past weekend? Uh, <laughs> uh, releasing this now, like if yeah, you know, we'll keep this very short. Just like broad thoughts, one minute, Pete. If you want to talk about the Marvel flip for a minute, and then we'll just we, stop. Yeah, we got to talk about the Marvel flip. Yes, wait, was a Pete. I just wanted to moment. ask. For, hold on for for anybody who's new to the podcast. Pete's job now is to talk about the Marvel <laughs> flip and then get out That's all of his job. thoughts in a jumble for about five minutes, <laughs> and then I delete that portion of the podcast so we can kind of move forward. So go ahead. That would wow. what an amazing reveal that would be is if you deleted <laughs> all of this Marvel flip talk. <laughs> we've never had it in any podcast for all the years we've been doing oh, this. That would be so uh, sad. Well, before we get into the Marvel flip, I think we should talk about our general feelings. I know Pete and I saw in theaters. Justin, you just watched recently, presumably on Disney Plus or maybe at Chris Hemsworth's house. Maybe he uh, maybe did yeah, a little performance um, for you. I don't know. Yeah, I, I know movies are a fun way to watch stuff, but I prefer live theater. So I gathered <laughs> yes, together ah. the cast, um, and we had a little bit of a show up at the barn. And boy, was it fun to watch it just restaged in person. Russell Crowe is such a ham. You wouldn't believe him. <laughs> oh, uh, if he's ham, the then barn. I'm glad I ate her. What? Have, well, have. we can delete that yeah. part. We can delete that part. <laughs> Just that. <laughs> That's your Marvel flip. Well, I am actually curious. So since Pete, I presume it was your second time through seeing it also for me. So we're probably going to have a little bit of a different impression. Oh, third time through from Pete. But well. Justin, you're you're the fresh newbie here. Having watched it the first time, what was your impression of this movie? Well, you know, a lot of people talked about um, this was like not everyone's favorite. It seemed like um, the the reviews were sort of medium and it feels it feels like just from a fan perspective, people were like, that was fun. Um, and I what so my expectations were at that level. I thought this was great. I thought this was very fun, funny. The gore story was really nice. Uh, the it's sad end for um, uh, a lot of what was happening here. Uh, and I, I, I thought it was great. I'm surprised at, at the way the sort of the narrative of this movie has been spun out. I, I just want to say uh, I saw it uh, once uh, by myself in the theater, and then I went with a bunch of kids. And man, do kids love this movie! Uh, and it kind of it, it's it feels like it's very much geared towards kids, especially with the ending. Um, this was that family you kidnapped, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I told you to not uh, bring it up. Um, uh, we're recording, but uh, yeah, I think that uh, <laughs> I'm not going to delete that part because yeah, it's a sting operation. Got it. well, Busted. 
Yeah, I'm not worried about your editability, but I just think it's one of those things where um, it's too much work. You do too many things, you know, to go back and have to put up with our bullshit and edit all the stuff out. Anyways, moving on, I was just, I was surprised (laughs) that this movie did feel very much geared towards kids. Um, I know. Really? All the gore stuff? I was like, this is not for Well, that's the thing. It was this, there was a lot jammed into this movie. Like, it starts off crazy sad, and I was like, what is happening? You know, and then we get the key Marvel flip, which not only uh, shifts the tone back into kind of a normal Marvel comedy, but also is kind of a, a nice refresher for everybody to kind of be like, okay, the... The fun part happens now, you know, um, but uh, I just think uh, I was I was very surprised when like a bunch of little kids got powers and were whooping ass in the middle of a kind of uh, Marvel movie. That, that was uh, great. Great. So we got the beginning and the end, and I think we're good to go. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> I, 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 well, I hear I, what you're saying, Justin, about the expectations, because yeah. I think I had a very different experience watching it in the theaters. I think I saw it probably. Probably, I think it was opening weekend with my kids who generally enjoyed it as well. And then watching it right before the podcast on Disney Plus. Um, watching it the second time, I think without those expectations going in, because we have very lofty expectations in particular from Thor Ragnarok, which is great top tier Marvel. Sure. I think that's what people expected. That's not what this is. This is, to excuse the term a little bit, occasionally a little bit of a fuck around. And I think that's okay. Like, uh, but, I, and maybe I, that's, I agree with you. And I feel like that's so nice because a well done fuck around, especially on the heels of uh, so much Marvel television, which is what we've been watching, which are, are so meticulous and about like p- planned and uh, having a very specific narrative that we're moving fo- slightly forward each time to jump into a Marvel movie and have it be a little bit just fun. I thought was a great, refreshing uh, thing to to watch. Definitely. I I do think just to – this isn't even negative because I also like the movie, but one of the big things that kind of holds it back from being that top-tier Marvel for me is – I think we all agree. We've read Jason Aaron's Mighty Thor story in the comics. It's phenomenal. If anybody hasn't read it, go read it. One of my favorite Thor comics of all time. Absolutely. So very excited to read that. And I think they did a good job with the Mighty Thor stuff, but not a great job. I I think Mm. this, this is the thing that holds me back a little bit is I love the gore stuff. Even the second time through, I think like it has this essence of a Grimm's fairy tale to it, the way that it's filmed with like the bone cage and the whole uh, little prince thing on the planet. And uh, like Pete was saying, the kids all getting the Thor powers at the end. Love that arc. So good. And I think because you have that and the stuff with Jane Foster going on at the same time, they try to make some connections there in terms of the weapons and uh, Gore is dying and also Jane Foster is dying, but it doesn't quite come together for me. So it feels like two very disparate tracks. And because I love the Mighty Floor thing so much, I wish it had gotten more time. That's the sort of thing that like, I I actually think would have been great as a Jane Foster series on Disney Plus where you get multiple episodes to really dig into it because Natalie Portman is the sort of actress who can deliver emotionally on that stuff. And because it is in this movie as at the same time as the gore stuff that works so strongly, it feels knocked down a little bit for me. And that's, again, just to kind of bring it back around, what holds me back a little bit in terms of full-fledged loving the movie. Well, it's, it's interesting because it's, it is this thing of like, 
they smashed a bunch of things together and we didn't get like the the core of the god butcher also an amazing comic and an amazing run but they took that and mighty and thor and just kind of smashed them together which is tough because as a comic book fan, I wanted more of that, uh, each one. So, uh, but smashing them together was kind of this interesting Thor thing smash. where it's like, all right, you're not going to get uh, either one in a separate movie, but at least you're getting them, uh, uh, you're getting it in a movie. So it was this kind of like, I mean, Natalie Portman is just kind of amazing and the the her awkward kind of struggling with things and then like trying to tell Thor like just unbelievable and yeah I could have watched a whole movie about that I mean that whole like thing where she's like sitting there like squeezing her thing to try to hurry up so she can get back to the lab ruins her own book to kind of show uh you know the wormhole thing just fantastic uh, and you could have done a whole thing about that, uh, but it was interesting that they smashed them together because, like, seeing uh, the God Butcher try to be friendly to kids and play with like this all disgusting thing and murdering it in front of the children's eyes to be like, "Hey, it's like a Muppet!" Oh my God, it was hysterical. Well, and I, I, I sort of thought at the beginning of the movie, I was worried that all the very serious and sad gore stuff was going to be a tonal mismatch with sort of the Taika Waititi style yeah. of Thor movie that we love. And I actually think it worked really well in this, the way that you described it, Alex, the storybook sort of like he became like that creepy villain who is less self-serious than he is at the beginning, which I thought was great. I actually thought the Jane stuff felt more out of sync with the movie, uh, the Taika Waititi style. When she's trying to, like, audition her catchphrase, it just felt strange. Like, I love that idea, but, like, her performance just felt a little off, and she she just doesn't quite match all that. She's so good. Natalie Portman is so good at the the bigger emotions, but the straight comedy felt like it was a little bit harder to uh, to, to land. So I do, I agree with you, her story should maybe be its own movie. And as we see at the very end, maybe she will get a chance to, um, to, to be around in some more Thor stuff. Yeah. Well, she's dead, which means she can come back to life because Marvel universe. There you go. Uh, so the second time through knowing where it ends up, that we get this final scene, the reveal that love and thunder are Gore's daughter who has now been adopted by Thor, which is great, which is very fun. Um, Korg's narration throughout is also very fun. And just as a little Easter egg note, I know I mentioned it earlier. It's a family affair. Chris Hemsworth's daughter, India plays love in the movie. Um, also his sons, Sasha and Tristan portray him when he's a kid, like in that montage towards the beginning. But my point being that knowing where it ends up, that it's about Thor getting this daughter and that's where he finds fulfillment in life. That's what he kind of was looking for the entire movie. I was definitely looking for that thread throughout the second time through watching it. You get a very quick shot of what seemingly, at least in part, breaks up Jane and Thor in that montage while Quark is describing it, is Thor has a very longing look at his kid. And whether he's realizing, oh, we age at different rates, so that's never going to happen, or maybe Jane doesn't want to have kids because she's too into her career, that's never explicitly stated. And I know you don't need to explicitly state it. That stuff is uh, simpler if you don't, and smarter if you don't. But... That to be really emphasized, I would have wanted to see that arc more throughout the movie. Like the way 
Korg at a certain point also says, I think Thor would be a great dad. And the way that he relates to the kids is great. And this is, again, I don't mean this the way it's going to sound because uh, I like the Jane Foster stuff. But it feels like given that arc there, it almost feels like having Jane Foster in there interrupts it in a way because – Again, I want to see what's going on with her. I want to find out what having cancer means to her, how that emphasizes her choices of the mighty Thor. But excise that out of there. If you took Jane Foster out completely, I think you do actually get a really interesting, very poignant, maybe only 45-minute movie, but about Thor longing for something and ultimately finding it with this kid. Uh, Yes. I do think, though... Uh, I agree with you, except for the end. I think Jane dying and um, him uh, taking Gore's daughter, I feel like they do match. I think he, him having that loss of something, I think, is important to that final moment. Um, and yeah. it, it helps that arc that you're describing, I think. Uh, I would love to uh, talk, uh, switch gears and talk a little bit about the amazing kind of like cameos. Marvel flips? Well, that too. But I mean, the... The cameos. I wouldn't call those aren't that, cameos. That's uh, like a, a flip. So it just goes through. Right, I wouldn't right, call those I mean, actually. Yeah. Did you guys a see lot of the, fun. a bunch of the Dora Milaje were in the movie? That was a cool Easter egg. Yeah, yeah. Great Easter egg. I mean, there's a lot. I wish of we really, got more time with them. I feel like we flipped through it so quickly. There's a lot of really fun moments in this. I mean, the love triangle. Sorry, with I don't want to harp on this too much. But what's your favorite letter in the Marvel flip? I love A. Oh, you're an oh, A guy. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Alexander A. It's just uh, that's it's the first oh, I time now you I really saw myself on screen. You know? Pete, let's mm. say ours at the same time. Ready? Three, two, one. V. v. Yeah, my guy. <laughs> my guy. Oh, man. <laughs> See, we didn't work that out ahead of time, and that was yeah. fun. So the, there's a lot of amazing stuff. Also, there's amazing cameos. Melissa McCarthy was amazing. We got the Matt Damon return, also with the Hemsworth brother. Just really fun moments. But Zeus, to me, like... he likes to be referred to as Hemsworth brother? <laughs> I mean, I can almost guarantee he does not. Oh, all right. Well, uh, apologies. Um, Do you, would you like to be referred to as Alex Friend? <laughs> yeah, okay. All Guy right. next to Justin. <laughs> Guy next to Justin. Uh, I just think that, like, uh, Zeus's accent choice was so funny. Like, every time he it talked, was I was laughing. So just to mention about that, that was actually a pitch from Russell Crowe, because initially Taika Waititi wanted him to do a British accent, but Russell Crowe wanted to do a Greek accent because he's a Greek god. So he did both of them for him, and ultimately Taika decided, all right, yes, you were right. Let's go with this Greek accent. So uh, Crow brother would be very excited to hear that. <laughs> It's <laughs> Crow Brother. Welcome. The accent is excellent. Uh, I the accent choice I thought was super funny. It's such a yeah. surprising choice, and I yeah. love hearing that it was is Russell's pitch is really cool um, because it, it works so well and it sort of gets across the character so much more quickly. I think yeah. where you know you see that he's like this great guy, but he's just a sort of a dick, a regular dick, and I think the accent just folds right into that really well. I also I love there's a little move that he does when he's coming down the stairs where he sort of flares out his skirts a little bit very quickly. <laughs> yeah. Very funny. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad he didn't die. There's 
uh, it's nice to see him back. Obviously, we'll get to the end credit scene in a little bit. But um, uh, one thing that I did think was interesting, there were a bunch of deleted scenes they put out. And this doesn't necessarily affect us talking about the movie, but it certainly sounds like they way overshot this movie. Like, whole plot lines were gone. A couple of people that completely disappeared from it. They shot stuff with Jeff Goldblum as Games Master from Thor Ragnarok. Peter Dinklage was back as Eitri from Infinity War, the guy who formed Stormbreaker. And there was a whole thing with Lena Headey, who people probably know from Game of Thrones, as Cersei, that was shot, and that wasn't in it at all. I just saw her out to dinner. Uh, on Friday or Saturday night, I went out to dinner for for my birthday, and she was at the table right next door. And she's married Ooh. to the guy from Ozark who plays. Um, I won't say what he does. Actually, <laughs> oh, is it a spoiler? Because it's a spoiler. Yeah, Jason oh, okay. Bateman. Nope. Okay. Um, the uh, the dad of um, the uh, short blonde character. I forget okay. her name. Did she at any point did you lean over and find out what she was doing in Thor: Love and Thunder before they cut her out? Yeah, um, I did not. I mostly was trying to stop my wife from taking photos of her. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that sounds like enough. a fun birthday dinner. It was. Oh, but what I was going to say was there were a couple of deleted scenes that they put yeah. out there, and one of them was of Russell Crowe's Zeus teaching Thor how to use the thunderbolts. Yeah, which. It's a great scene. It's very weird to watch that because it is in no way connected to literally anything that's going on. But it's like a two-minute scene of him teaching it and teaching him to use his heart, and it ties into the overall theme of the movie. But when they became friendly uh, and he gave him the thunderbolt of his own three will, it feels like there's an entire other cut there of what went on that could have led up to that deleted scene. Wild. Yeah. Uh, also, the goats got funnier as it went on. It was really, it turned out to be a If fun there's video. one thing I think everybody agrees on, the goats are funny every single time, and I can't believe they're funny every single time. It's wild. Yeah. I was so surprised by how loud it was. It was very loud. <laughs> the, the screaming. Old man at a movie theater now. Oh, it's, can you turn it down? I'm having a well, hard time I, in here. I mean, it, it does make it funny, but I was just like, Dear God, that's loud. <laughs> well, I'll tell you while we're talking about the goats, this is my favorite fun fact about the movie. The goats are actually, in a very sideways way, based on Taylor Swift. Specifically, there was a mashup, one of like very early internet mashup things of her song, I Knew You Were Trouble. That's a goat mashup. So it goes, I knew you were trouble when you looked at it. And it goes through that. Ooh, and when beautiful. it goes to you, lying on the cold, dark ground, and she goes, oh, they cut in these goats going, ah, in it. It's a very funny yeah. video. But in order to, they wanted to put a track behind the goat test track when they were when they were coming up with the visual effects and be like, here's what we think Tooth Nasher and Tooth Grinder should look like. So as a joke, they put that in there. And Taika Waititi thought it was so funny. He was like, let's do that. Let's have the goats scream every single time. So there you go. Taylor Swift, directly responsible. Wow. Is there anything she can't do? (laughs) 
What's funny is like the uh, the second time watching it through, the first time, I think because everybody was laughing, I missed the Drax line when you see the goats where Drax just goes, I love them and I want them to live with us forever. It was just such a <laughs> funny little like line on the side that I didn't notice the first time What do time you through. think about the Guardians inclusion here? Were you about to talk about that, Justin? I was, yes. Um I th- I thought it was great. Like it's fun, and I think that may be one reason why this movie um, I think was a little middling because it it has so much. The Guardians are in it for a chunk. It feels like a little bit TV esque, or like you're a piece in a larger story. And I think that's a criticism that a lot of Marvel projects get now because they are. Um, but outside of that, I thought they were great. They're fun to have. Um, the Thor Star Lord relationship is great every time. Yeah, yeah, uh, that whole like looking, you know, look into the eyes of your friends. That was just great. I definitely expected more of them the first time through because they made such a big deal about the Guardians are going to be in here. I think somebody. And this is probably a rumory thing, but it was like, it's basically like Avengers 5, and it's not. It's like they're guest stars of the Thor TV show. They show up very briefly, yeah. and then they leave. But like you said, very fun. Mantis upon Clementef, I think is her name. It's always hilarious and funny. Yeah. Uh, and it's nice seeing them. Uh, I think it was a nice way of picking up on this plot line that was left from Endgame and then being like, well, we're not going to do that. We're going to just go to a different thing and all yeah. good. But that whole fight scene at the beginning with Thor on the planet, fighting those bird creatures, yeah, destroying the temple, very fun. Yes, definitely like one of the things that Taika Waititi said that was that he was inspired by paintings on the sides of vans. And yes. this feels like that. That yeah. much is clear. And the needle drops. Great. Oh yeah, the and also like his Van Dam moment with the split between the two uh, kind of flying bird monsters was just absolutely hysterical and a lot of fun. Like and and that's kind of what we got from that Marvel flip there that was also very metal. Uh, you know, they did like a, their own kind of version of it to kind of like they just put different music over it, Pete. Yeah, but I'm just saying it's a tonal <laughs> s- uh, switch, but also like a fun heavy metal riff that then kind of moves forward with Thor's story and kind would of. Would you call it heavy metal? Through. Would you call Guns N' Roses heavy metal? I would call it metal. Oh, your voice wow. went very high there. That, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't call it because it's been exposed. Yeah, but you know, it's hard. It's maybe you know, light metal. Mm-hmm. Classic rock now, honestly, at this point. I mean, oh, it's. Take it I think you could that. call it hair metal. How about? Mm-hmm. Isn't that okay. more what it would yeah, be? Yeah. But it is. Classic rock is definitely. That's fist pumping at a bar when you're in your probably late 30s, early 40s at this point. This also uh, it, it comes into the movie when we meet Heimdall's son, Axel, formerly Astrid. There's a whole thing there. Um, Axel's a great character. Very fun. Uh, One thing, and I don't know we're totally qualified to talk about this, but there was a lot of discussion about the LGBTQ plus content here to the point that it got banned in several countries, or at least Marvel was not allowed to release it because they refused to cut the stuff out. On the other end of the spectrum, I saw a lot of members of the queer community after Natalie Portman was like, it's the queerest Marvel movie ever, being like, what are you talking about? Yeah. (laughs) So there's these two sides of it of like – they address kind of the fact that Valkyrie is bisexual by having her kiss a woman's hand when they're in Abdicta yep. City. You have Axel, who is, again, it's not explicit, but is trans. Uh, and then Korg is holding hands and having a baby with dude Dwayne, The Rock, Korg, 
or whatever you call him. <laughs> towards Makes the a lot end. of sense. So there's stuff. Uh, what do you think about these steps? Again, we're probably not totally qualified to talk about this, but there's a lot of discussion about like Disney movies in general and Marvel in particular give, paying lip service to this stuff. Do you feel like this is lip service? It was enough or where do you lie in the spectrum here? Uh, to me, in the actual movie, um, it felt, it felt good. Like it felt like these were their defining quality was not their queerness. And that's the whole point is to just have uh, characters that, uh, that address the diversity of the real world in our stories. And I thought that was good. The conversation around it, hyping it up is the, the queerest Marvel movie of all time is like, well, that's not what that is. It, it's just like a movie where there are characters from multiple uh, perspectives and backgrounds. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's nice to have, uh, you know, other people represented. It's nice to have others feel like they're seen on screen and stuff like that. I, you know, I I, it, I feel like it's weird for me to give my two cents. I just, I felt like it worked with the movie and fit the characters so great. Uh, I just feel like as far as Valkyrie is concerned, like, Tessa Thompson is amazing in these movies, and uh, you know we we talk a lot about other characters, but man, she was just the, her whole like commercial montage and stuff was just so much fun. She is killing it in this movie. She's very fun. She's definitely a character I wanted a little more from. I didn't yeah. really have a sense. Maybe you guys can weigh in here, but I didn't really have a sense of how her arc completed itself because it felt like. She kind of was going through the motions of being king. She's a little bored on it. She goes an adventure, and at the end, she's like, yeah, I'll still be king. That sounds good. Well, she feels uh, better a little bit about her job and what she's doing. And, you know, she can go out and have adventures uh, every now and then. She's fine with it. You know, it just and it seems that like to me is lost. what it was. She was bored, and then they went and did something. She was like, that's what I needed. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Uh, if... I love Tessa Thompson. Like you said, she's great. One of my absolute favorite moments of the movie that just replays in my head every once in a while is when she's not convincing Jane, but basically being like, hey, just get away from that broken sink. Come on, let's go. And then she pulls out the sword, pulls out the two dies, and then pulls out the speaker and does like the little head bop thing. Very funny. Uh, But... I wanted her to have an emotional arc like how Jane Foster has an emotional arc, like how even Korg has an emotional arc in here. It's like like we're talking about. It's a little one. I wanted something a little bigger there, personally. Yeah, I mean, I, I, there's just not enough time in this movie to to do all of that, I think. Um, I, I, I hope – I don't know where – can Valkyrie have her own movie, her own uh, TV series? Is there a way to sort of give uh, give Valkyrie more center stage? Is – and this is more speculation um, – in the comics, Jane Foster becomes Valkyrie. Um, a, and there, maybe there's a way to sort of reignite the Valkyrie here with her and Valkyrie uh, together. Yeah, Valkyrie and Valkyrie. Valkyrie and Valkyrie. Well, Maybe some name-changing. No, I don't, I don't know. know. I'd watch that uh, TV show, Valkyrie and Valkyrie. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, like Cagney well, and Lacey. <laughs> Except two Cagneys. Confusing. What else should we talk about here in the movie? Uh, I'll call out one of my absolute favorite sequences, and I know we touched on it a little bit before, but the fight on the black and white planet, I think uh, that whole sequence so is good. phenomenal. Absolutely gorgeous. Beautifully shot, such a smart choice to have it just have just their sort of powers be the light and everything else is is washed out. It's I thought also it was hilarious how they they crash into the the moon and it turns black and white. I mean, just really 
yeah, really you're talking fun. about how it seems far away and that it yeah. does the whole, it, it's almost like the, oh my gosh, what's the, is it a trip to the moon? The rocket ship going into yep. the moon's eye thing. Uh, it's very much like that, but it's also or, very like. Uh, From a, Earth to the Moon? I don't know. Earth to the Moon, maybe. Uh, it's also very Little Nemo in Slumberland, it feels like, yeah. at the same time, that sort of thing. Be like, oops, we crashed into the moon. Now let's go and walk. Um, that's great. The whole, all the stuff with Gore, too, uh, both on that moon when he's torturing them and also the sequence where he attacks the village. Very terrifying, I felt like, in the oh, right yeah. way, though. Yeah. What I mean by that is, like Pete was saying about kids liking this movie, it's the right level of terror for a movie to take kids to, if you guys know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah you a, want them scared, but not too scared but, where they're going to be having nightmares and you're yeah. going to be woken mm-hmm. up all the time. But you want them a little on the edge of yeah. their seat. You know? Exactly. So they just want them, you want them to pee a little bit, yeah. you know, later yeah. on when they're having the nightmare, right? Yeah. Right, uh, Pete? That's how you enjoy horror. When, you're, no, smell like, it, when you're smelling the urine, you, you know what you're doing. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's the that's right, the catchphrase. That too. Twenty eight. That's good. Just wow. that right Bit heavy editing. Heavy <laughs> editing. This podcast is going to be like eight minutes by the end. Um, the uh, I uh, I love Thor in this movie though. I love like the oh. way. You, you, what do you it's think about interesting that? because okay, he's not this? in it. He's not in it. Which character we, was Thor? We haven't talked about him or the axe. Um, I love all those. I love the sort of like uh, broken up with Mjolnir uh, oh my God, stuff that, that happens. Thing. It's um, uh, sorry, just very quickly while we're on this, the absolute funniest thing to, in the movie to me is whatever they have Stormbreaker just sort of float in from the side. Yeah. Yeah. It's clearly somebody like holding it underneath, and I know that, but it's so funny every it's time. It's so funny. Very funny. I mean, just this is just a great comedy, I think, across the board, which is very hard to do, especially in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, to do comedy while also holding on to sort of a, a quote unquote serious narrative that's happening here. But I think the Chris Hemsworth, um, the other Hemsworth brother, um, oh. is so good as Thor. Yeah, is so good as Thor. He can do the comedy and high action moments uh, with like it's almost unbelievable how good he is at doing both of those things. And this story works so well because Thor is this humble god. I think that hits on the theme that Gore is trying to be like, all gods are bad. And Thor is, he's human. He's the most human of the gods. He messes up. He is funny. He, uh, you know, makes mistakes, owns up to his mistakes. It's just this movie is such a great showcase of the Thor character um, well, that I has really blossomed in the MCU. I don't well, know if he owns thing. up to, I mean, he trashed that. A glass castle and then was given to goats, you know? I mean, he didn't really do anything well, to help that. But jumping off of what Justin said, there's obviously a continuity to the character and he's a big doof, right? But the fact that over eight movies now, I guess with Thor, they've allowed him to actually grow and change as a character, I think, to yeah. your point, Justin, that points to Chris Hemsworth having a handle on it, knowing who he's working with, I know I'm one of the lone fans of the original Thor, but I think going from that to Thor The Dark World not being the best movie of all time to Chris Mm, Hemsworth. Understatement alert. (laughs) Working with directors and knowing who he wants to work with and taking control of his own career and his own narrative. I think it really points to that as well. Um, And, you know, that takes a smart actor, but it also takes a smart producer at the same time. 
Yeah, it's time we celebrated the producers for a change. Oh, jeez. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the line producers. Um, yeah. I think it's one of those things where also, like, I know Justin said he didn't think Natalie Portman did that great job in the comedy moments, but one of the things that I thought was hilarious was her and Kat, you know, kind of sitting there talking about how she needs to start taking this cancer seriously. And, you know, she, and she was like, yeah, but, you know, it's not that big. She's like, it's stage four. And then she's like, out of how many, though? She's like, out of four. And then she was like, that we know of. Just hysterical. I, I would argue. Person. I would but, argue. Maybe hey, it isn't Natalie Portman. You like that scene? It's Kat Dennings. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, sure. But the fact that, like, she is so smart and can, like, do so much. The fact yeah. that, like, she's like, I can beat cancer. Like, the, I'm going to try to outsmart cancer. I'm going to work so hard. I'm going to invent something to, you know, it was really to kind of see her in this moment be so powerless and to then kind of be like, you know, I'm going to try Viking space, space magic, even though that's kind of against everything I believe in was such a kind of interesting, funny point. And also, yeah, I mean, Kat, she's just every time she's in the scenes, I mean, she's got all those snacks. It's hysterical. You know, even if it's just a little cat, it's, it's just still it's a snack. Magic. It's a cat yeah. snack. That's it's a cat kitten. snack. You know, that's I'm, I'm there for it. It's a little cat. And her, like, when they're kind of like, oh, my God, look at these magical dolphins and all this kind of crazy stuff. And she kind of, like, gets wrapped up in the moment. She awkwardly tells Thor that she's dying of cancer. And then it's like, just kidding. And, like, kind of, like, slides off, uh, you know, camera. It was just so funny. What did you think? This is a a very little thing, but I know a lot of people talked about it when the movie came out, and I certainly felt it when the movie came out, but less so the second time through. People missed having an initial transformation sequence from Natalie Portman when she Mm. comes to Mjolnir. It's broken. You see the lightning flashing, and then we don't catch up with her until later on. Would you have wanted that Sailor Boone-esque transformation sequence the first time? I don't mind not having it. Yeah. Because I think um, then the the story would push over into being more about Jane, about the mighty Thor. And it feels like this, the movie um, really holds on to Thor, uh, the Chris Hemsworth Thor perspective throughout. And if we shift over to that, I think it would have made it hard to balance it in the same way, especially with the way the story goes where Jane does die at the end. Yeah. Spoiler. Spoiler. Jeez, Jesus man. Christ. Yeah. Um, other I, ones I, you want to call out? Pete, take it away. Yeah. The, just the, uh, speaking of the theater of it all, the play where like the hammer goes on the like line, you know, then it's like obviously so, uh, like kind of rookie theater kind of stuff. And Matt Damon sprays the water bottle and it decides mm-hmm. to cry. Like, what was the end of that play? That didn't really resolve the story that much. Well, they so. yelled by frost and that was the end of it uh, mm-hmm. to roaring applause. I feel like we could have gotten a little more. Well, it does feel like the play, much like the Marvel cinematic universe is allotted to be continued in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I love the play as a runner that we keep seeing and seeing the callback later where uh, Matt Damon and um, the Hemsworth brother come through and they're like getting excited to do their next production. Yeah. Very fun. Yeah. 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 Very actory. Uh, yeah. I also liked the uh, Korg bit of like getting the goats to come. He's like, you got to do a special kind of whistle. And then he's like, nope, that's not it. Uh, nope, that's not it. Yeah. Very funny mantis moment as well with that where yeah. she does like... <sighs> or something like that. She's just very sneakily funny in every scene. I really enjoy it. 
Yeah. Um, there's a ton of the great, like funny moments in this, the bow God of dumplings I thought was fun. Uh, like we talked about uh, all the Zeus stuff is great. Um, the Zeus flicking too hard and Thor being naked and all the reactions from that. He also has a rip Loki tattoo on his back, which was very yeah. fun. Uh, another little, there's a, apparently a bunch of gods that I didn't notice, but Bast, who's the Panther God from Black Panther is apparently in that pantheon somewhere. There's a dragon God, I think from Shang-Chi. Also, if you notice that, I think his name is Hey Dotty Dotty, the God of the Korg's people. Yeah. He said he got a throne made of scissors because rock beats scissor. Uh, hilarious. Oh, boy. Now that's stuff. some deep cut comedy right <laughs> yeah. there. Um, the Zeus calling it a Rudy Nudie party, also funny. Uh, team kids in a cage, great line there. Hey, team um, kids in a cage. I'll call the axe when you call the dentist. I thought it was just great mid action sequence line. Um, fridge without a door. I took these snacks from the fridge without a door because he <laughs> smashed the vending machine. Got me. And Speaking of getting me, like the, I think it wasn't much, but the love story moments between Thor and Jane, I thought were great. The shot of their fingers touching right after they talk when they land on the asteroid, I thought was just such a nice little signifier moment that really got me. And then later when Thor's like, because I love you, I cried. It made me cry. So even though the story was like, like we said, it felt like it wasn't the, didn't get enough time. It still worked for me. I mean, talking about the getting choked up or emotional portion, I know we talked about it before, but the thing that got me was the kids getting the power from Thor, that you have these kids that have been terrified and taken to a planet for so long, getting their power back. I just thought that was such a wonderful emotional moment. I know they didn't meet it, but I think it certainly made me think of school shootings and other things like that and kids being terrified. I'm sorry, it, it really did while... I was thinking about it, and uh, it's awesome. Also, just the motif of him giving them the lighting, but it's seemingly forming Yggdrasil, the world tree, uh, giving it this mythological feel at the same time, this connection that they all share. The I fun line awesome. of limited time only was also a fun mm-hmm. moment. Great stuff. And I also, on a metaphorical level, while we're talking about that scene, even though I was a little iffy how they came together, the idea that... Jane Foster is taking Mjolnir, this thing that's broken apart, and is taking the Necrosword, which is this literal cancer on the entire universe, and trying to contain it and destroy it in Mjolnir, and ultimately is able to through her power. I thought that was a nice little non-overstated metaphor, um, Mm -hmm. right before, of course, she actually dies. What do you guys think of, uh, I'm totally blanking on the kind of name of it, but this kind of, uh, what's that? Thor? No. He's no, the main I'm character not, in the movie. I'm yeah. not asking you about He's Thor. He's Love's dad. Is it Marvel Flip that you're looking for? <laughs> no, no. At the Eternity. end. Eternity. You're asking about yes, Eternity. thank yes. you. <laughs> yeah. What, I mean, that's something we've seen in comics a ton. It was the first time we've seen it. I thought the way that they did it and kind of made it look like a kind of one-dimensional comic kind of thing, I thought was very kind of cool and interesting, especially the way it was kind of shot. I thought it was, they used some artistic choices that really I thought was kind of neat. Yeah, I feel like they had two options here to make it like a joke Mm -hmm. or make it what they did, which is sort of like this cool uh, artistic, um, like elemental force. And I think they made the right one. 
I agree. Uh, there's a lot of Kirby inspired stuff throughout here in the yeah. middle of all the 80s and everything else. But the way that they nailed Eternity, as well as having who we find out later becomes named Love, coming out and seeing her reflection with the star field, yeah. with just the white eyes, that is like Pete's saying, just straight off of a comic book cover. Yeah. So very cool to see. And I can't believe we haven't talked about what a performance from Idris Elba. Just great oh. to see. Just what a great use of this great actor in the Marvel movie franchise. He definitely kind of screwed every movie. It's a, it's a little it's a little sad. I mean, he got he got a lot more time in the last one, but still, there is a part of me, and I felt this with a lot of the Thor series. Like they don't know what to do with all the ancillary characters in Asgard to the point that they summarily killed them off almost nonstop. Here yes. we get we haven't talked about Sif yet. Sif oh, shows up yeah. very briefly, gets her arm cut off and then shows up at the end. Her arms in Valhalla. Yeah, not yeah. much for Jamie Alexander to do necessarily. So I don't know. I like these characters in the comics and so it's a bummer to me to see them just I think uh I think it's Hogan who they refer when Korg is narrating anything, he's like, Thor's father died, his mother died, this guy died. And I think it was Hogan. And I was like, that's Hogan. What are you doing, Korg? Come on. Come on. I love I love Korg. Uh, I like the way he does things. Yeah. He ta- capitalizes on the exact point you're making by just calling them these guys. Yeah. We should probably the talk Jane about the Fonda, Jane Foster joke that he did during that first uh, voiceover. Yeah, Jody Foster. Yeah. yeah. I can't believe we spent this much of the podcast not talking about this because when I heard about this scene of the movie, I was like, oh, there is a scene in the post credits that is going to make Pete absolutely lose his mind. So that scene is the end credit scene where Brett Goldstein is revealed as Hercules. Pete, uh, give him play by play. I want to know what your reaction was like. So in the when I was when you saw in this. the theater, you know, it was kind of like this thing of like, holy shit. And then I was like, my brain broke because I was like, I'm seeing two things that I recognize and love, but they're not where they're supposed to be. So like mm-hmm. having the Ted Lasso part of my life in the Marvel part, part of my of life, your life broke my brain where I was just like, what just happened? I was just kind of, I kind of froze for a second and I needed to reboot. And then I was like, oh my God. Because uh, first off, Hercules, Greg Pak, uh, Fred Van Lanty did an amazing Hercules run, did some amazing stuff with that character. Um, and I'm hoping that's kind of the version we're going to get. But oh, my God, when I saw that, I was just kind of like, oh, this is going to get fucking awesome. Pete, when you freeze, do you, do you, someone needs to breathe, like blow into your mouth and then press <laughs> the power button again? Is that how you... Restart. I, I reset on my own, but I, I just uh, got to stay frozen for a little bit, and then I can. Pete, reboot. you were frozen for six months. That's why this podcast is so late. <laughs> <laughs> Don't put this on me. We know who just saw this yesterday. Nah, that was not. I could have seen it anytime. Uh huh. You could have. Yeah, we could have done this anytime. Like when we were going to tape the podcast a couple of days ago, and you were prepped for it, right? Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. prepped. Oh, when you oh, watched it, go- I was going to be. I was going to be prepped. Oh, you're oh, prepped. To, okay, you're right, prepping right. to prep. I was prepping to prep. Oh, all right, fair enough. Okay, cool. What did cool. you think about this? What is, what's your take on Brett Goldstein as Hercules, Justin? Um, I think it's all right. I don't know. I he's one of these people who I feel like I think he needs. I would like him to do something else besides Ted Lasso and then come to be Hercules because it feels like you're seeing 
the Ted Lasso character in a costume here because that's all he's really known for. And that character is sort of looms large. Dude. So I, I was a little bit also um, there's another actor out there that I think could really play Hercules, a guy named John Gabris. And I think we can really just we should be standing as a podcast. We should be standing by that. I think oh, Pete needs to be rebooted. He's, he's literally reboot. frozen right now. Here, I'll breathe into his mouth. Hold on. A second. <laughs> <sighs> wow. Yeah, that's kind of amazing. Pete, you literally froze on the camera just now while we were oh, talking wow. about uh, Brent Goldstein. Yeah, I, I got so angry about what Justin was saying, I completely froze. I just ruined your mouth to restart you, and it worked. Oh, yeah. Don't <laughs> ever do that again. Uh, yeah. Um, so with the bullshit that you just said out loud, you should be so excited about this because here's a comedian playing a role that has up until this point just been all muscle and no real story. So there's an opportunity for some amazing comedy like we saw in the comic books. This is a win-win, yet you're fucking shitting all over this thing. Yeah, no, Justin, Alex, I, you, you want Kevin Sorbo to play Hercules. Right? Absolutely. The original, the legendary yeah. journeys. I, I agree with Pete, Justin. You should be thankful that this guy who you don't think is appropriate for Hercules was cast instead of one of your best friends in the entire world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Wait, what? Uh, there's a campaign, uh, Gabrus, everyone thinks Gabrus, not everyone, obviously, but like a lot of people on Twitter are pushing Gabrus as Hercules. And then when oh this came God. out, it dashed a lot of those dreams. Oh, yeah. Listen, Brett Brett Lisa Lisa was another comedian. Die, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Just like. If you're going to lose a job, at least lose it to another very funny comedian. <laughs> I mean, Gabrus would also be hilarious, but I, I'm also excited about this. I, it feels to me. This is, I like Brett Goldstein. He's very funny on Ted Lasso. Also funny in several Emmys accepted speeches that I've seen for Ted Lasso. Great in those as well. Maybe the same yeah. role, I guess. But I say, I would say the same joke. Uh, yeah, potentially. But here's what I'd say. And Pete froze again, so we're going to have to blow out a board. I'll, I'll breathe in his mouth again. This is, he'll <laughs> love this. Uh, let's see if it works. But my big take about Brett Goldstein on this is he it feels like you already got Thor is kind of the Hercules from the comics. Right. Yeah. That's my feeling. Right. So they got to go in a different direction. So maybe they're going to go in an angrier Hercules direction to contrast with the way that Hemsworth plays Thor potentially if they go forward with this in a new way. I think they could try it. I'm happy to flesh out the Pantheon. I, I still think. And this is very much a side thing to Brett Goldstein. I still think the whole idea of gods in the Marvel Cinematic Universe feels a little weird to me, how much they're leading into it and these afterlives yeah. and all of these things. It's fine. I'll roll with it. I've read comics for decades at this point, so it'll be okay. But it definitely feels like, oh, yeah, then there's all these other gods. And so there's like a Greek afterlife and there's like a Norse afterlife and there's a the Wakanda's afterlife and Moon Knight has its own afterlife. And there's a lot of questions there that I feel like need to be answered that they are not going to answer at any point, And that's okay, I guess. Yeah. Well, and what big... I do like the choice they make, though, to have the gods be much pettier. Like if the super if superheroes are are gods, they can be bright and shiny sort of across the board and the gods can be sort of assholes <laughs> the whole time, which I think is fun. And I agree with you, like a bro Hercules um, will contrast nicely with Thor, the inevitable fight and then team up that they go about on, Ooh, in see, maybe the next movie, it. but also maybe not. Yeah. And uh, the, the thing I wanted to say before I froze is, you know, if you want to just fucking 
go on YouTube, type in Brett Goldstein. There's a ton of stand-up that he's done. There's a ton of things that he's done that you can check out. Sorry, let me write that down. You said YouTube? Like the yeah. letter U? <laughs> no, no, like you. And like me? Tube, Justin yeah. Tube? Yeah, Justin Tube. And Tube Just is type in T-O-O-B, Justin Tube, see what happens. Right? Is it the number two and then B-E? <laughs> I'm going to, you know, I'll, I'm going to do some research on this and I'll get back to you about it. Okay, um, great, great. This yeah. YouTube. A couple of other facts. Pl- it's a plumbing we're... thing? He was a plumber? <laughs> what? Dude. So continuing the family oh. thing, uh, ba- Christian Bell, Natalie Portman, and Taika Waititi's children were also a bunch of the new Asgard children. Uh, Chris Hemsworth's wife, Elsa Pataki, played the wolf woman who he was making out with on a woman wolf uh, in the montage oh, at the beginning. Oh, fun. Yeah. Which is very fun. Also, listeners of this podcast. Wait, did she play both wolves or just the one? Just uh, the just... wolf woman. Oh, okay. But right. she also, Dandy. you might remember, was Natalie Portman's stand-in in the end credits scene of Thor The Dark World because they couldn't get Natalie Portman back for that. So this is the second time she has kissed Chris Hemsworth, her husband, in the Thor franchise. Good for her. Good for her. And the second time in life also. She's only kissed him twice. two kisses. Yeah, she's like not on the lips, you know. Wait, they have Uh, more than two kids. I mean, it seems like there'd be more. Not on the lips. You don't have to kiss to make a baby, (laughs) Pete. I can tell you that much. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry to Jason hear that. Aaron, thankfully, was a consultant on the film, so that's great. They were clearly very inspired by his comics. I wish they had gotten the artists as consultants as well. I don't know if they did. I hope the artists got some checks, especially from that still that was taken right from the God Russell, It was Russell Dodderman, right? The big monster that's yeah. killed their monster god when they come out. Nicest god you ever met, Thor said. There you go. Uh, also, I, I think we mentioned all of them, but just in case we missed one in the play, you've got Melissa McCarthy, Matt Damon, Sam Neill, Luke Hemsworth, also Ben Falcone, who's Melissa McCarthy's husband, played the yep. director in a quick bit there. In the background of New Asgard, there's a store called Infinity Cones, which is an ice yep. cream store. Very cute. Mm-hmm. Also, we didn't mention Stellan Skarsgård was in this very briefly, bringing him back to the franchise You'll love as to well. See him. Huge. The phone call that Thor gets from Nick Furry, that is a callback, I think, where I think it was in Avengers. He asks him, he's like, is it pronounced Furry or Fury? Um, so there you go. We'll call back there. Also, Daryl, the tour guide at New Asgard, who also shows up in the mob scene later on, he is from the Team Thor shorts that Taika Waititi directed before he went on to do Ragnarok. You can check them out on Disney+. Plus. There's three of them. It's about Thor moving in with Daryl, this regular guy, yeah. uh, while Civil War is going on and just waiting for Captain America or Iron Man to give him a call. It's very cute, very fun. There's a third one where Daryl then moves to Los Angeles and moves in with Games Master. Also very cute. You can check those out. Uh, and, uh, oh, uh, Meek... It very briefly fe- featured here. He's drawing a diagram on the board and he's making like the squeaky noises. If you look at the diagram, it's literally the entire plot of the movie from beginning to end. So that's very cute. Wow. Uh, and the last thing, this is one of my favorite facts about the movie. We talked about this on the Patreon Slack a little bit, but so Chris Hemsworth decided that he wanted to have literal like 90s style su- thunder strike superhero bod in this movie and came in on set and they were like, all right, we're run with it. But in order to maintain his physique, he needed to eat meat eight times a day, pretty much constantly, in order to That's have enough protein. What's strange about that? Yeah. 
I don't know. Or you could just have one garbage play. Come on. <laughs> you should be his trainer. What are you doing? You're overdoing it, bro. Just fucking. I, I mean, I'll tell you, it probably means like he had a stick of beef jerky, but in my head, I picture that eight times a day he eats like Fred Flintstone dinosaur ribs. <laughs> yeah. Just chowing down on them. But the day he had to kiss Natalie Portman, yeah, he yeah, didn't eat oh, yeah, any yeah, meat yeah. because she's vegan and mm-hmm. she uh, really appreciated that. Perfect man. What a, yeah. what a guy. What a guy. Super nice. I did I, like his Asgardian high one instead of the high five. That was mm-hmm. hilarious. Any other thoughts before we move on to our vision board here? Any other moments you want to call out from the movie? Are we good to go? We're, we're good, good to go. I'm going to say we're good to go. Let's move on to the vision board where we talk about things that are coming up or that we want to see in the Marvel Universe. There is a tease that Thor will return at the end here. Apparently, this is yeah. a big surprise to both Chris Hemsworth and Taika Waititi, who didn't know that was coming up until they saw the movie. But assuming he'll return, or some of these characters will return, what do you want to see next from any of this in the Marvel Universe? Pete? Well, I mean, I would uh, love to see Hercules, love to see kind of uh, Thor uh, with uh, love and, um, you know... And Thunder. Well, he's Thunder. Love is the the kid. So they don't like, actually specify thunder. which one is which. Dude, he's a Thunder god. Of course, he's going to be Thunder. He's not going to be she Love. She shoots those rays out of her eyes and fries the frying pan. She could be it's Thunder. It's not Thunder. It could be Thunder. I thunder. A lot of people's names don't match up with what they do. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, for example, your last name is Tyler, and you're not able to tie anything. Right. And That's Pete's that. last name is LePage, and he doesn't read a single word. <laughs> <laughs> Reading comics counts. Those those are pictures. Ah, those are pictures words in there. Yeah, name one word in a comic book. Oh Come my on. God. Seltzer. Uh I just feel like the uh yeah, I want to see, you know, I've invested all these characters. I'd love to hang out with them again. Great. That's nice. <laughs> Good speculation. Very nice. Justin, what about you? Um there's I mean, Jason Aaron did a lot of Thor storytelling in the mm-hmm. comics. I would like to see uh, sort of later in his run, he uh, got into a lot of telling Thor's story from multiple different perspectives. Young Thor, present day Thor, and older Thor. Um wh- where we got to meet his uh Thor's three daughters. Now we have one here with love. Like I'd be curious to see mm-hmm. um that storyline where we could see an older Thor who's sort of become Odin-esque, what he's like as sort of the king of a doom world um, and how he we can jump between those different time periods that feels like a lot of fun I really like that idea that seems like a good way to wrap up potentially Chris Hemsworth's time as Thor in the Marvel Cinematic Universe in a very satisfying way to throw something out based on what we were talking about earlier since they're doing all of these other holiday specials anyway, we had Werewolf by Night is the Halloween special. We have Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special coming up. Have a Valentine's Day special for Valkyrie or something like that. Oh, where we nice. actually get to see her have some romance or pursue some romance. Maybe two different people are coming at her. Throw Jane Foster Valkyrie in there like you were saying. We can get the whole Cagney and Lacey thing. Maybe they investigate a mystery in New Asgard or something like oh, that. That's nice. Or in Valhalla. Yeah, and I'd like, like to the see murder those. of a fallen warrior in Valhalla. Very there fun. you go. How do you kill somebody who's already dead? Let's answer that question. Oh man, and I'd like I've to see those Guardians of the years. Galaxy guys again. Do you think we'll ever see that? Uh, sorry, what, is that something I can find on YouTube again? Is that what <laughs> yeah, you're talking you gotta, about? You got to Google it on YouTube. Uh, I loved Guardians get their own little credit card at the end altogether. Mm-hmm. Very fun. Very fun. Yeah. 
And you all are very fun. And if you'd like to support us, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast on YouTube. Come hang out. Um, we would love to chat with you about everything Marvel Cinematic Universe, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Marvel Vision Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, stay marvelous. And um, I got, oh, let me, where's Pete's power button? Oh, it's, it's in his butthole, right? Hold on, let me just start it. No, I, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, that's not where it is. Oh, that's gross. Oh.